And now, Fastened Like Nails with Dr. Mark Hamby. Welcome to Fasten Like Nails, and today in the studio with me, once again, is Molly Mayo. Hey, how's it going? Molly, I'm so glad that you're here because we're going to do something exciting in Luke chapter 24. Mm. And we have a new engineer with us in the studio today. Oh, we do indeed. Tabitha Toth. Tabitha, great to have you here. Mm-hmm. Okay, now Tabitha, I know there's a lot of things to do in this, <laughs> um, being the engineer of the day, so you're going to have to watch all of those you know, the voices going up and down and just be ready for anything, especially if it starts smoking, then you want to shut everything off, okay? Mm-hmm. We have kind of an antiquated system here. You never know what happens. <laughs> we overload it every once in a while. Okay, Luke chapter 24. Um, we shared this in devotions this morning. Mm-hmm. This is at the very last chapter in the book of Luke, and Jesus has already died on the cross, been buried, and now he is going to rise again, in which no one seems to understand that he was supposed to do that, which, Molly, think about it. All that we read previously, you know, in, in all of the Gospels, Jesus just kept plainly telling them he was going to rise on the third day. Mm. How could you miss that? Uh, well, I think it's very easy in situations like that to look at the past with the eyes of the present. And so, like, oh, you know, Jesus said those things, but it was really confusing and weird. I don't know if they would have put two and two together. Like, you know, you talk about how in your life, you know, God would bring you to a point where you realize something about yourself, maybe in, in your parenting or mm. in your marriage. And then you look back and you're like, this is the time I did that and that and that. And, that. and mm. you're like, whoa, like I totally like, how could I not see that I was doing all of those things? But, you know, in the same way, Jesus was saying all these things. And if they could have looked back and you know, <laughs> read the Gospels, they're like, we're so dumb. I know, I know. You know, my dad died about... 16 years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, he was saved four months before he died, mm-hmm. um, was saved just before he went into the hospital. He spent Crazy. four months in the hospital, and then he died, um, which is another story we'll share another time. But he got saved reading the Lamplighter books. Mm-hmm. And so he, the very first book that he read of the Lamplighter books, now picture this. My dad is like a combination of General Patton and Mother Teresa. Okay, <laughs> He's got that combination in him. He's just a... He's a you know, like a strong leader, but he's got a real tender side to him. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, growing up, my dad was a superintendent, an engineer. Mm-hmm. He built nuclear power plants. He built, you know, sky- skyscrapers, bridges, you know, he just, mm-hmm. and he only had a third grade education. He was self-educated. So after he stopped going to school, his mother and father died when he was young. He basically just kept learning on his own, and because of his leadership qualities, he just continued to grow, you know, in in, in business, and so he was always put at a very high rank, both in the military and in uh, in, in in work, mm-hmm. and um, so he so picture this self-made man, right? And um, he he loved reading the Bible. He was a he was. Before a, he was saved. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He read the Bible all the time. That's crazy. But mainly read. The book of Proverbs, okay? That was his thing. Interesting. You know why? Why? He was a mason that eventually turned into becoming a shriner. He was a 32nd degree shriner. Do they do they talk about the Bible? <clears throat> oh yeah, they have their own uh, focus. Now I imagine if there are some Masons and Shriners out there that are listening to this, they're going to be a little upset at me. But I need to speak the truth. So um, yeah, they have. They believe that they come from the line 
or at least the wisdom of Solomon. So a lot of the secrets of how the pyramids were made, the secrets of how engineering was performed, Mm -hmm. a lot of the things that we have from 4,000 years ago that still exist today Mm -hmm. um, since the flood, the things that were made, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people don't know how the pyramids were made, that perfection, you know? Mm -hmm. And so the Shriners and Masons believe that those secrets of wisdom were passed down and that they still possess them even to this day. So they, they have a certain ring that will identify who they are. They have a certain yeah, handshake yeah. that identifies who they are. Um, and uh, they stick together. And they do some really good things as well. They have amazing Shriners hospitals for children. You know, they, they do some amazing good things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had a smile on your face. How come? Oh, no, nothing. No? What's that smile coming from? Well, I was like, yeah, they're not bad for a cult. Ooh, you're going to call it like it is. For sure. Holy smoke. I was afraid to even do that. Okay, so you're saying it has cult-like practices, symbolisms, and so forth. Well, for sure. I think anything that's not rooted and grounded in the Word of God and in the gospel is a cult. And so they've come up with this whole structure and and then secret things that they do that no one knows about is very cult-like. Okay, so— so, but they do some really good things as well. And that's where the smile came from, right? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, a lot of organizations do good things, but that doesn't mean that it's based on biblical no. principles and the Word of God. Okay. So, they have certain emblems in their system that— Didn't Jesus say even like, even <clears throat> that those who are evil know how to give good gifts to their children? Mm, like, whoa. Now we're going that— Oh, you're, you're taking a pretty strong stand this morning. That's— yeah, For sure. Okay. Good for, for you. someone who's sitting. <laughs> okay. So, good for you. So— my dad was very high up in the um, the Shriners um, mm-hmm. system of of leadership. Thirty second degree is pretty high. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I became a Christian, mm-hmm. one of the things that my dad was looking forward to was for me to become a Mason and then Shriner eventually myself. Oh, that's crazy! Oh yeah, it was like set in stone. I'd already met with the group, you Seriously? know, and, and uh, yeah. So then, at age twenty two, um, I'm getting ready to to move into that. And I get saved. I come to know Jesus as oh, my wow. Savior. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, my dad has a meeting set up for me with some of the leaders. I never knew this. Yeah. and this at crazy. That, and at that meeting, um, I get to share what just happened to me about Jesus becoming my Lord and Savior. <clears throat> and how the Bible is the sole source of authority for faith and practice. How did they respond? It was intense. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad had to apologize for me because the meeting ended with me calling them, you know, like it was, Uh you know, that, that, uh, you know, unless we believe that a man must be born again to enter the kingdom of God, Mm -hmm. he cannot be saved. You know, it doesn't make any difference what organization you attend and Mm -hmm. that we can't have anything that's secret, you know, and I I called everything out, you know, and uh, it was intense. And wow, that was very bold of you. Oh, I was a young, zealous believer, 22 years old. I didn't care, you know. Still. I I kind of felt like the Apostle Paul during that time. Because this is kind of a crazy group because it's invite only. And so then you go in there into all of their. um, Yeah, not only invite only, but there are certain, I don't know, certain um, warnings that Uh if you reveal any of the secrets, once you know them, that there are consequences. So we won't get into all of that. <clears throat> so I come to know Christ as my Savior, and my dad is extremely blown away. This was something he dreamed about, mm-hmm. that his son would follow in his footsteps and that I would be part of this organization. And so it was extreme. My dad, boy, I don't know if he really talked to me about it for— Blown away in a good way or in a bad way? Bad way. Oh, okay. Two years. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, it was— 
It was difficult. But at the same time, he's loving what he's watching in my life. He's watching me grow, and it's authentic. So he's torn between he loves you, but also he has this identity and something else. And so he's probably very conflicted. Yeah, extremely. But every time he would see one of his friends and he'd see me, he would always introduce me as the preacher. Hmm. He'd say, gentlemen, come over here. I want you to meet the preacher, you know, and— and my dad, he just, the more he saw me grow mm-hmm. and it becoming extremely real, mm-hmm. um, he just became pr- more proud and proud Aww. of me. Yeah. So he's from the South. Yeah. You know, he believed the South was going to rise again. <laughs> you know, it was just a, just a man's man, you know, someone that you just love. And everyone loved him. Um, but this was important to him that I would follow in his footsteps. And so he saw that that was going to be impossible. And then the day came when we would sit down and we would have that talk. And I would just confront him, you know, that dad, there's a lot of good things through this, but the end is hell, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and boy, that, I thought that was going to sever our relationship forever. And yeah. so he was like, we're not talking about this ever again, you know, and he just got up from the table and was, he was angry. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, um, I, I didn't feel bad about it. I just knew it needed to happen because his salvation is more important to me. You know, and if you don't try to reach people, you've got to do something. You just can't stand by and, you know, watch people make their own decisions and going to hell. And so, mm-hmm. so I took a stand and, um, but at the same time I kept loving him, but I knew I couldn't talk to him anymore. So I started sending him Lamplighter books. <laughs> and the first book I sent him, you won't believe the first book, was The Hidden Hand. Sir, that was the first book yeah. you gave him? Yeah, it was. You want to know why? Cr- why? I just pictured him being like Hurricane a little bit. <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> Old Hurricane, you know? So he's reading it. He can't, I would never have guessed that. I know. He's reading it. He can't put it down. <laughs> he calls me up on the phone. He goes, son, he goes, you cannot believe how much I love this story. He that goes, that hilarious. old hurricane. He goes, he's really something, you know? And so I've got him reading our books. Oh. Up to now, he's reading all his own stuff and engineering and yeah, yeah, yeah. Masonic stuff and so uh, so he reads that book, and he's bought in, and then he says something to me at the end of the conversation. I'll never forget it. He said, son, I'm learning things about God I'd never known before. Mm. Okay, now he believes that he's got, you know, a corner on religion. He's got his own Masonic Bible. You know, it's a really big Bible with all this other added stuff in it. And so, um, so he's reading that. Next, we give him um, the basket of flowers. He, now, we're living in a different state, you know, so he's calling me up every two weeks. He's reading a new book. Aww. And uh, he calls me up, and he says, son, he goes, I'm reading another one of those books. And whenever Papa called, you know, we got Jennifer, Jonathan, Jennifer, and David, mm-hmm. and Debbie, and, uh, and I'd say, Papa's on the phone, everyone. You know, we put him on speakerphone. Aww. And uh, it was so, like, we just love Papa, right? Mm-hmm. And he'd be, um, he'd be on the phone this one time, and he'd say, son— He'd always start off his conversation, son, because I'm reading another one of those books. He goes, I never knew how far away I was from God. And he just started crying. He hung up. He he never wanted us to see him cry. He just hung up. So I don't hear him for another two weeks, but that's the last thing I heard. And now he's reading. um, Next book is, um, um, yeah, you know it, Molly. Come on, come on, come on. What night? Yeah, throw me overboard. (laughs) Thank you, Tabitha. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That was a great illustration of throw me overboard. (laughs) (laughs) Throw me overboard was the book. And he called me up again. He goes, son, he goes, 
He goes, I can't put these books down. He goes, they are just really something. He goes, I'm learning more about God than I've ever learned in my life. Wow. You know, and from a book like Throw Me Overboard, you know, you wouldn't think that would have done that. Mm-mm. So uh, the next book is um, Christie's Old Organ. Mm-hmm. And I get a phone call, this time from my mom. And she says, Mark, she goes, uh, Dad's in the hospital. He, he'll be fine, though. Um, he's in the emergency room, and he's having a little hard time breathing, but he's on oxygen, and the doctors think he'll be fine because she doesn't want me to come up. Mm-hmm. But she says, but Dad insists that I give you this message. I said, what, Mom? She says, Dad wants you to know that he's going to home sweet home. And he goes, she goes, I don't know what that means. I said, oh, that's um, that's just a phrase in um, in the book he's reading, Christie's Old Organ. Now, in the book, it means that the old man that's in the book is going to die and go to heaven. And so I'm like, whoa, Dad says he's dying. Mom doesn't know it because if Dad says that to Mom, Mom's not going to tell me the truth because mm-hmm. she thinks mm-hmm. I'm going to drive like a maniac to get to the hospital. So she's trying to protect me to keep me where I am, and she'll keep telling me what's mm-hmm. happening. So I said, okay, Mom, I love you. Uh, tell Dad I'm praying for him. I look at my staff. It was in the office, and I said, hey, everyone, my dad's dying. I don't know when I'll be back. Packed up my bags, drove. I got, ended up getting stopped by the police three times for speeding. But yeah. I, I get to the hospital, and when I get there, my dad sees me. He rips off his oxygen mask, and he looks at me with his arms outstretched, and he says, son, I'm going to home sweet home. I know Jesus is my Savior. Oh. I know. It was so precious. My dad got saved. That's amazing. Just before he got sick, and then four months later, he died. And uh, these books, you know, led him to Christ. And had I not left— to follow the Lord, um, it was, what, 20 years earlier, you know, we had left and left everything behind, family and friends and a church and had everything going for us. Mm-hmm. If I had not followed God's calling then, Lampletter never would have started. And and as a result, you know, my, you know, I left and as a result, um, God used that to bring my dad to himself, That's you know? Amazing. Yeah. So that brings us back to Luke chapter 24, verse 1. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. Now, we know who they are. This is Mary Magdalene, Mary, um, Joanna, and several other women. Mm -hmm. And so we know that they had just buried Jesus the day before or two days before. Mm -hmm. They're coming on the third day. Do you know why they're coming on the third day to prepare the body with more spices? I think you just said. Why? You just said to prepare the body with more spices. I know, but what does that mean to prepare the body with more spices? Why? This is the third day that he's dead. Um, because he stinketh. <laughs> okay. In honor of the deceased, you know, he's buried in a garden. Mm-hmm. They want to continue to honor that person even after death with all of these fragrant spices and everything. Mm-hmm. That kind of an, it's an embalming, you know, fragrance as well. And um, just in honor of somebody, you know, that they just don't bury someone and it's gone, you know? Mm-hmm. That's basically what happens in the West. But they're, they're honoring this person. And watch the honor that he, he gets. And now we know that Nicodemus, two days before, had brought what? He had brought? 75 pounds of spices. Well, the Scripture says 100 pounds, but probably in real American weight, it's, it's a 75 pounds. That's a lot to carry around. And so he's... Place 75 pounds of myrrh and aloe on the body of Jesus. And his feet are still drenched with the perfume from Mary, right? Mm. I don't think that would have continued, though. It was... You think so? I think so. Wow. That's it. And that was what? Do you remember what that was? Was it spikenard? Spikenard. 
And if those of you that are listening, we did a test on that at the Summer Guild. We had everybody come up, about 100 people come up, and I got a a vial of Spike Nerd. Mm -hmm. And um, when I opened it up, no one smelled anything. There was no (laughs) fragrance whatsoever when I opened the vial. That's crazy. Yep. And I poured it out into a little Petri dish, okay, glass Petri dish. And I had every everyone come up and just dip their finger in it just lightly, okay? Uh-huh. So everyone got a dip, little dip of it. Uh-huh. And everyone went back into their seats and nothing happened. Uh-huh. So all of a sudden, within, I don't know, maybe four minutes of everyone seated again, all of a sudden people started coughing and choking. And next thing I know, everyone's leaving the building. <laughs> It was so amazing. It just, I don't know what why it took so long, but all, all of a sudden. The, the fragrance. F- it just oh, released, wow. you know, from 100 people touching that. That's crazy. It released, and none of us could come back into the room That's for the rest of the potent. evening. <gasps> yeah, it was amazing. We could not get back into the room the rest of the evening. That's crazy. Yeah, so we had to, like, finish up what we were doing. And, uh, and so Jesus has this whole vial poured on him, right? A whole year's worth mm-hmm. that's that's cost of mm-hmm. it. And so he's got that. He's got Nicodemus is 75 pounds. And now Mary, Joanna, and Mary Magdalene are coming to prepare the body with all of this fragrance. Wow, what love. And they found, now picture this, it's, it's still early morning. It's dark out. Sun hasn't risen. Mm-hmm. Well, not the literal one. <laughs> What's that? Oh, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Very good, Molly. They found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. Now, a few months ago, we were there, um, probably at that ex- exact spot. Um, from my research, it appears that that spot is the most likely spot for mm-hmm. the tomb. It's near outside of Jerusalem. It's near. It was near a garden, and today, unfortunately, it's near a bus stop, which is horrible. But mm-hmm. they see the stone rolled away, this huge stone, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. Now, nothing's said here about the soldiers. Soldiers were posted there. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you remember what happened to them? Uh, they, like, got conked out. Well, um, the angels showed up, you know, and just kind of, like, you know, dispersed them, kind of. Okay. They all fell to the ground, you know, like, these are angels there, and mm-hmm. and, uh, and the Jesus rises from the dead, and, and then the soldiers go running to the leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, picture, this is, like, probably 4 o'clock in the morning. That's pretty early. Yeah, and they're— They've got to wake somebody up and go like, hey, uh, um, he's not there anymore, you know, and uh, we saw a couple angels and then the Pharisees pay the soldiers and say, hey, this is what you're going to tell people, Mm. that you fell asleep and someone came in and stole the body while you were sleeping. And we'll take care if anyone says anything, we'll take care of it. Kind of crazy, right? Yeah. (laughs) A lame excuse. And uh, verse three, they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed there about, behold, two men. And we know that they were actually angels, stood by them in shining garments. In John, it says white garments. Mm -hmm. In John, we learn that one was at the head and one was at the feet Mm -hmm. of the clothes that were lying there, which is a picture of the mercy seat. Mm -hmm. The two angels, one at the head, one at the feet, Mm -hmm. and where they would sprinkle the blood. Beautiful picture of what Jesus just did. We can enter now the Holy of Holies because the blood has been sprinkled. You know, that's what these angels represent there. That's cool. And better better yet, I was just learning this from Caleb this morning, that this priest, before they would do all of this, mm-hmm. they would then fold their clothes. And, oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, after they've gone into the Holy of Holies, fold their clothes and leave them there. So Jesus has entered into the Holy of Holies, mm-hmm. folds the clothes, 
And it says this, as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth. These two men are speaking to them, which are angels, said unto them, why seek ye the living among the dead? So the two angels said, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he's risen. Remember how he spoke to you what, when he was yet in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. This is so important. Remembering the words of Jesus is the key to our life. And a lot of times we forget what he's told us. His promises are in his word all the time. We were just reminded of it this morning. We were giving some counsel to a young lady here, and um, she's having a difficult time discerning what direction to go next semester, whether mm-hmm. to stay here or go somewhere else. And the answer was what? Wait on the Lord and yeah. pray and seek his counsel. Yeah, and be anxious for nothing. Yeah, yeah. When you talked about that in Philippians. And be anxious for nothing and what? Uh, be thankful and make your requests known unto him. Yeah. Talked about like this is kind of a crazy season too. And so not just making a decision based off of feelings. And I'm sure that's something that was going on in, in these women's hearts and minds, like very emotionally turbulent oh, time. Can you imagine? No, no. Yeah, their best friend in the world. Well, you thought he was going to, like everyone thought that it was going to look a certain way, and then it didn't. And they're like feeling that sense of loss, maybe even rejection or disappointment. Like, well, yeah. I thought that he was going to come and, and do all these things, and now he's dead. Mm-hmm. And they were still honoring him. They were still coming, and like you said, with their love, they were going to do this thing of em- embalming him, but they still didn't quite get it. No, they didn't. It's really amazing because he had told them over and over and over again, I'm going to rise again. You know, it's so easy to think that, but I don't, I think I probably would have been the same way. Like now I look at it and I'm just like, yeah, okay, this all makes sense. But Jesus was super confusing and the things he said were just crazy. Okay. Pretend. Okay. You have seven children. Mm-hmm. You're 40 years old. Okay. 39. 38. You're 30. You're 30. You have okay. nine children, seven children, and you're 35. Okay. Whoa. You've got the husband you've dreamed of, Aww. the home, the church. Uh-huh. You've got everything. And you're, and by the way, I'm giving you a real life story. Uh-huh. Okay. This actually happens. Mm-hmm. Happened and, and, and is happening right now as we speak. Wow. And the mother learns that she's got terminal cancer and has got two months to live. Mm. So you have two months to live. Wow. Okay. Okay. I can respond. You know, it's impossible to know unless you're in the situation. Let's pretend right now. What you know right now. I don't know. Maybe I would I would just shut myself up in a room and pray and cry. Aw. Okay. That's and I fine. would tell my husband. Okay. And as you grow though, I mean that's that's pretty much what probably the Joanna and Mary Magdalene that's probably what they all did, right? The 11 apostles are stuck in a room, right? They've even locked the door. Mm-hmm. They don't want anyone to come in. Mm-hmm. And what are they doing? They're sad. Everyone's sad. We know that because Jesus talked to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus and says, why are you so sad, right? So everyone's sad about what just happened. Mm-hmm. But what if we get to the point where we really do believe in the resurrection, okay? That there is a resurrection mm-hmm. that is going to occur and we get to tell our kids like, guess what, kids? thing that we talk about all the time is that we're going to get a new body and we're going to get a new eternal life with Jesus mm-hmm. forever and ever. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to go first. Mommy's going to get to go first, you know, and I'm going to see you kids. And, and kids, it'll be like right now, you'll think that you're living for the next 70 years. But actually, when you die, like mommy's going to die, it's going to be like a split second. When you wake up on the other side, it's like things never really, there was no time in between. 
Wow. You know, and, and so now you're super excited that you're the one that goes first. That's happening right now with a lady in Philadelphia. That's crazy. Homeschool mom. Um, she came to us and she said, I need some books that are going to walk my children through after I'm gone. She goes, I only have two more months to live. Hmm. And she said, I, I, and I want to help my oldest daughter. Her oldest daughter was um, 15. Mm-hmm. And she um, she wanted to help her oldest daughter. An older older daughter was right there, mm-hmm. and she was like preparing her daughter for the next stage in her life. And I'm thinking, like, wow, that is amazing that they have that kind of thought pattern, you know. And uh, and I and it's never easy to leave loved ones, especially you know we've and a lot of times it's not easy to leave loved ones is because we hold on too tightly. Like mm-hmm. right now, Tabitha, I have the best staff that Lamplighters ever had. Okay. Do I want to hold on to the staff? Of course I do. You know, if if things start to change, let's say you're going to get married, you're gone. Rainy gets married, she's gone. You know, and then Grace is gone. And then everyone else is gone, you know, and then we start a new staff. If I'm holding on to something too tightly, mm-hmm. then um, I'm going to miss out on the greater blessings that God has for me because God always has greater blessings. Mm-hmm. Okay? So what is the very first thing that Jesus says to Mary Magdalene? Stop holding on to me. You're holding on too tight. Hmm. I've got to let you've got to let me go because I've got greater things for you to do. Mm-hmm. Notice what he says in here. This is Luke chapter 24, verse 9. It says, And they returned from the sepulchre and told all the things unto the eleven and to all the rest. Now it's early morning. The sun may not even have risen yet. And they go to where the apostles are locked in a room. And uh, most likely, this is Mark's mother's house. Are you in John now? I'm in Luke chapter 24, verse 9. And they returned from the sepulcher and told all the things unto the eleven. So Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, they and whoever else was with them, they run to where the disciples are staying in 24, verse 9. But the cling to you part, where is that? We haven't, ta- we haven't come to that yet. Oh, okay. And as they go and... Tell the eleven, hey, we've we've uh, we've been told that Jesus is risen from the dead. And verse ten says it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary of the of the mother of James and the other women that were with them, which told them these things unto all the apostles. And mm. their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then arose Peter and ran to the sepulcher and stopped and stooping down. And this is so important. This word appears several times. Stooping down. A lot of times we can't see what God's trying to teach us unless we stoop, unless we bring our head low. Um, and Benjamin Franklin said that um, um, those that do not keep their heads low enough will always be will always bump them in the end. That's kind of a <laughs> dumb saying, but anyways, it works. And he beheld, this is Peter, the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. So here's... Here's Peter, like, what in the world just happened? And behold, two of them went that same day to the village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs, which is seven miles. So these two of the disciples, we don't know who they are, we don't get a name, but they're walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. As they're walking, Jesus shows up and it says, and they talked together of all the things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden or their 
Restrained. Restrained, yeah, masked, that they should not know him. I think a lot of people are in that state right there where God's doing something in their lives. He's walking with them through the difficulty and the sadness, but their eyes can't see what's really going on. They can't see that Jesus is right there with him. Um, we've talked about this before, but you know, it's, um, and we know a lady that went through some extreme abuse, but her testimony is that now she looks back and she knows that Jesus was with her every second of that mm. abuse. It's interesting in my version here it says, so it was while they conversed and reasoned. And I think it's really easy to get into that pattern where maybe like trying to think through something logically, but Jesus is so illogical hmm. <laughs> that he comes in. And so their eyes were restrained almost by their, their logic, by their lack of, mm-hmm. you know, faith. Yeah. Because faith is, defies all understanding. And faith in his words, you know, what he's already told them previously. That's what they they. He brings to remembrance his words. Remember Mary Magdalene? You know, now she remembers what they said. Mm-hmm. That um, seems or what to Jesus be said. a pattern after, you know, through the whole process, you'll see. And then people just start remembering Peter remembers. And there's all these different moments of that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for spending time with us today. And please join us again next week as we continue our studies in another episode of Fasten Like Nails. God bless. You've been listening to Fastened Like Nails, a presentation of Lamplighter Ministries. Our mission is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord by building Christ-like character one story at a time. To learn more about our family collection of rare books, dramatic audios, or guild programs, visit lamplighter.net. To hear more podcasts, search for Fastened Like Nails wherever you listen to podcasts. Meet Charlie, a young fisher boy. Mum, look. Oh, aren't these the finest fish you ever did see? Once carefree, now caught. Why is it that folks like that have everything and folks like us have nothing? In a net of envy. Those rich folks have stolen from us for far too long, right? It's time to take back off their share. When pirates attack. Oh, no. What's wrong? Starboard side, a pirate ship. Give up your silver. Or we'll blow you out of the sky. Never. We've been hit. Will Charlie surrender all? Look, it's it's a golden ship. Come, if that's you, bid us to come out to you. Come, step out of the ship. Or will he drown in his pride? Oh, no. Order your copy of my golden ship at lamplighter.net. That's lamplighter.net.